Hi, it's Brian Denton with ProAct. Welcome back to our roundtable conversation on customer service, hosted by Jack Healy, CEO of Bear Hill Advisory Group, and featuring Darren Arsenault, President of Capital City Produce in Baton Rouge, Jeremy Smith, President of Charlie's Produce in Seattle, and Jessica Noble, CEO of Magnetic Experiences Customer Strategy in San Diego. We pick up the conversation with Jessica sharing how food service operators are approaching challenges creatively. One of the things that excites me most about this industry in terms of restaurants and food service is the amount of creativity and ingenuity that went that got them through this process. So many other industries either their their sales went crazy and so it was kind of business as normal but let's handle as much of it as we can or it was a shutdown as opposed to trying to figure out how to adjust their entire business to make it through this time period. And I loved Darren, um, the crediting 15%. I think that the great thing about that besides financial and in this time when they can all use that um, extra margin is it's really demonstrating value first before then asking for something, whether it's feedback or whatnot. And the other thing I, I loved is hearing that as you're getting that survey feedback, it's going to the top. So even as president, seeing that right away so that you can incorporate that into plans and have not seen that as much in other industries. Um, Some companies have done formal surveys, which oftentimes make me cringe as we're going through this because you're asking your customer for a ton of time and investment for their feedback. And you spend all this time compiling it and reviewing it and analyzing it, and you're still not providing any value. Um, so you're asking before you're giving. So I loved the, the give first. Um, and then Jeremy mentioning recognizing the evolving needs. I think a lot of industries understand their that needs have been evolving, but also understanding and planning for those changes to continue. And I think, some of the smaller businesses are banking on no more changes. And I think that's a little bit of putting their head in the sand. Um, I think we all know there's going to be um, probably more contractions, expansions, you know, opening and closing of industries. And like Jeremy mentioned in California, um, there's been changes. They are, there are several, several counties that now the bars are shut back down, which I, it, for me was to be expected that you'll see these open, close, and, and having a plan for that. We didn't have a plan necessarily back in March for a, such a massive shutdown, but now businesses need to have a plan for how do we handle shorter, but um, shutdowns that are geographic in nature, uh, shorter in time time frame. That's a great point. Um, we're hearing in Florida where I'm located, Restaurants will close down for a day or so when they've had a case, but they open right back up. And then um, there are other areas of of the restaurant and bar industry in our state, uh, which were not mandated to close. They just were told they couldn't serve any liquor. So you can go to the on-premises. So uh, they're still, I believe, allowed to make these drinks to go which I have found extremely interesting, especially as a risk professional. I'm not certain I would want people having alcohol leave my premises. But um, 
so as we talked about, Jeremy, you had some some great feedback and ideas. What what do you think your customers need most from you right now? Are you there? Sorry about that. I had my phone on mute, so I didn't get feedback. Uh, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, great. I I believe that what we're uh, understanding is that uh, you know once we make that connection, understand what they're looking for, and and we've literally uh, dialed for you know like demons for weeks because we had a an assortment of our sales rep mix that had very little to do and so instead of going to furloughs or layoffs for a, with a large portion of the food service sales team we basically put them on the phones and they were either customer service some of them were working qc in the warehouse but what that led to is the ability to connect with the majority of the owners the gms or the chefs at a restaurant or you know through the the national chain guys we had the ability to do a large volume of calling and connecting and and I think what we heard was varied in every scenario and I discussed already some of them wanted to see us wanted to meet some of them wanted to meet on a webinar and some did not want to see us and it was easy to uh, you know kind of hear that through different calls and expression from you know concern with customers that just had a higher level of anxiety and um, so I think we're seeing that some need some very different things on the retail side. I think Darren had mentioned, you know, service side, we've got uh, 50 merchandisers on our team across all the States and every one of those are, have been deployed, uh, since day one. And that was a, a very difficult decision to make because we're putting them in to the public scenario, which is a higher risk. And, uh, you know, so if they were not comfortable, they did have an option to come in and work inside the office. But what that gave us is um, some support for those retail partners that felt like we were a part of their team. And I've I've had numbers of emails come across from uh, grocery store managers to the owner of the company expressing their gratitude for helping them during a, a, a crisis. I mean, shoot, when we hit that second and third week, we were seeing increases with some of those retailers over 100%. So, you know, it was very different. And I, I guess for a, a long, short answer is that everyone had different needs. And we've we've changed delivery times, delivery days, uh, you know, to impact the ability for them to get what they need met. This is a, a difficult scenario. And the number of folks that I think are still trying to navigate how they're going to survive is is for real with our customer base on the food service side. Do you find that uh, your customers are using you as a source of source of information to ask what your what your other customers are doing so they can glean some best practices from you? You know, I I'm sure that we're getting some of that, but I I haven't uh, I haven't heard or personally you know seen much of that out there. I think that. Uh, they're in more cases letting us know what they want or what they've decided to do and what their protocol for their company is. Darren, are you are you hearing your customers ask for for different things, um, or you know, I know you're getting a lot of data through your retail app surveys and the and the outreach that you did. Are you hearing that they want something different from you now? 
I think they just want us to focus on uh, fundamentals right now. They're not interested in the the fringe um, service offerings that we have, whether that's specialty produce or anything like that. They want the fundamentals taken care of really well, get me high quality product, get it to me on time kind of thing. And I think the other thing that they're looking for is that we're fluid and that we can adjust rapidly in tandem with how they're having to adjust. The last thing they need is a slow, unresponsive partner when they're uh, adapting to new information that comes out, it seems, weekly or even daily in some cases. So that's really what I would say, Jack, is, is what our customers are looking for primarily, those two things. And we've also helped our retail customers out as well with um, with the brand openings and big events in the stores where they may have had labor issues. So we've sent our team down there to help out with that as well. And as as uh, Jeremy mentioned, that's really appreciated when uh, they have a store that really is uh, maybe challenged with the volume and we can go in there and give them a hand. It's It's been greatly appreciated. So Jessica, are you seeing a lot of change in the customer experience area as far as the you know we have the suppliers reaching out to their customers customers are in a in a period of flux and a lot of new ideas and a new adaptations are coming about are you seeing any breakthrough ideas or uh, new trends that you can uh, put your finger on as to what's going to be going on in the future so I think the number one thing that I've personally seen is that the divide between companies that prioritize customer experience and prioritize their customers and those that don't is, is getting wider and, and deeper. So you see the companies who had customers at the, the heart of their business before really doubling down on that. And then the companies that assumed they knew their customers and they knew what was best doubling down on that which is not a healthy long-term strategy um, in terms of some of the changes going forward um i haven't seen any trends emerging yet in that regard i think there's still so much flux i think that the longer this goes on the more we'll see some of the interim changes cement and become long-term um, but if things were back to normal by let's say labor day I think a lot of them would be um, a lot of go back to normal. Um, one of the things that I've seen personally with several restaurants that I think has been really good and hopefully they carry forward the practices is really looking at their menus and what items to, to keep on it and how to consider that. So I worked with a few uh, local restaurants when they were moving to delivery and how do they decide what mix to keep? And um, I think Darren, you mentioned, you know, they're changing what they're ordering. It's, you know, what are we getting the best margins on? What's most popular? Um, what products deliver well? They they hold um, their flavor and whatnot. Um, and then multi-use products. So seeing the smaller restaurants really take that into consideration has been exciting. And I think they will carry that forward because they can see how impactful that is. Um, one of the other things, and this doesn't totally answer your question, but is we've also seen some companies get really creative about the experience they provide, um, whether that's 
having a to-go celebratory package or a family package, a meal that they can provide for um, a reduced price, something that they're making family style. Um, and I think things like that may carry forward. I think it's too early to say, but I think they're great ideas. Um, and I, just to highlight, I think that the flexibility is huge, um, consistency and predictability. So it sounds like our customers are remaking their business as we're remaking ours. Um, you know, trying to get the intelligence that we need uh, to service our customers when they're when they're trying to figure out what their markets want um, seems to be the challenge of the day. And I don't know how much regional differences there are, but um, Darren, you're in the Louisiana marketplace. Um, do you see that your, do you think your customers are still in the survival mode or do you think that they're past that a little bit and now they're actually looking at the longer term and trying to uh, look at the profitability and the service levels and that they're going to change their businesses? Well, we're seeing very different responses to the situations right now. Uh, everything from someone who's uh, mentioned to us they've never been more profitable because their takeout process does not require much labor at all. And so it's you know, owner and maybe a wife and two other employees are handling the takeout and they've developed a really fast and efficient uh, checkout process for takeout orders and they're doing fine and they're thinking they may continue that after it's over with to another group that shut down all of their restaurants and just said it's just not worth it we'll figure it out in in 90 days so that's the whole spectrum but i can tell you you know um statistically uh, for the last four weeks our restaurant business is above 70 percent of its its uh post-covid level so over the last four weeks it's been a low of 72 percent and a high of 78 percent but it stayed stable in that 70% return uh, of restaurant sales. The segments that are suffering is, is the uh, hospitality and tourism supported segments. So the hotels are, are um, really struggling uh, right now. We're starting to see uh, communications back from those guys. As we asked them, when are they gonna open that? Uh, many of them are planning on reopening in some fashion uh, here in July. So one of our big hotel properties placed their first order for uh, for tomorrow. So that's uh, really encouraging and a big national brand uh, opening up in New Orleans. But the hotels have struggled. And of course, uh, cruise ships and casinos are also the segments of our business that have struggled. Schools, we're gonna have to see how that's gonna come back. Um, right now in the state of Louisiana, they're saying schools gonna open are going to open on schedule for mid-August, uh, but we view that as a big mystery in our business as to whether or not that can really happen. And I think if we don't get a change in behavior by this population of people that are seeing really huge increases in um, COVID cases, it's gonna put a challenge on the business sector. It really will, and I'd say that's our biggest concern right now. Are we gonna see changes in behavior that's leading to these COVID cases? I was just meeting with our safety guy uh, this morning, going through CDC websites on trends uh, in our state, and uh, you know, we, we're making adjustments in our business today because of 
of concerns over um, how many people are coming down with with COVID across our state. So I'd, I'd say you know, that's a, that's the wild card sector in our business is the school sector. So Jeremy, um, Darren hit on a couple of points that I hadn't considered. I always thought it might be big big chain versus little chain, but it sounds like it may be more industry focused and that one industry segment may be coming back, such as hospitality, uh, is not, and the restaurant industry is, or the retail chains. How in your business is, is that segmentation working out? Is it is it large versus small, or is it more industry specific, or is it, given your geographical footprint, is it more geography, or is it all the above? No, I would uh, completely agree with Darren. We're categorically seeing the exact same thing, whether it's a, a resort, a ball field, uh, you know, caterers that do, you know, fairly large events for somebody like Microsoft or Google or Apple or Nike. Those were a substantial part of uh, that side of our business, and they have not come back. In fact, you know, some of these office buildings that have 2,000 people working in them, they're all working remote and from home. You know, they don't need food. So some of these places had, uh, you know, kitchens where they allowed for a person to eat two meals a day. That's done. Um, so we are definitely seeing it based on, you know, the type of industry that it is. And hotels uh, certainly haven't come back. They're at, I think, 15% uh, capacity in, in, in some of the areas that we're in or the ones that I traveled in anyway. And, um, you know, I think it's... Uh, it's unlikely to change much for 2020. We, we're not uh, hearing that. And I think we also have uh, a decent amount of, of business in the schools, uh, both with K through 12 and then also with universities. And um, some of that volume has continued through different programs, whether it's residents uh, at the universities that are still there living, they need to eat. Uh, but what they've gone to is uh, box lunches or prepackaged. So what they're buying is very different. Um, and we're expecting that to continue as uh, you know, a challenging area of the food service side of the business for the rest of the year. So where you've seen other, where you saw the restaurant side be very innovative, are you seeing the corporate campuses? Um, how are they changing the, the Nikes, the Googles, Intels, uh, those type of campuses? Are they trying to innovate or are they just cutting back on their volume? Well, a little bit of both. I think that the number one is that most of those folks are still working from home. So it's all dependent on whether or not they ever come back. Uh, I think we've heard, you know, kind of crazy rumors that, you know, maybe they'll go to that, uh, you know, type of model, a work from home model more permanently. But you're looking at, um, you know, some buildings that have, you know, 10, 15,000 people in them. I, I don't know that that's going to be a part of their change or their business plan, but it could. Uh, and it could for a period of time until, you know, there's a vaccine maybe. So, you know, we've talked to some about it and uh, I'm sure it's still being evaluated. And so much of it has to do with the amount of positive tests that you know, or coming out on a weekly basis. Uh, some offices originally were scheduled to 
uh, go back to work on July 6th. And recently, in the last five days, we were told that that's now been bumped to post-Labor Day. So I think the concept of future disruptions is one that's very prevalent in the industry right now. Um, I'll start off with Darren. Um, what are what are your customers asking of you, or how are you trying to help your customers gauge what this future disruption plan looks like? I think they've got short-term uh, considerations and long-term considerations. On the short-term side, they're really competing with the government for labor right now. The government's jobs program is, you know, the extra $600 a week and you don't have to go to work. And, and their jobs program is quite different than that. Late nights for the independent restaurants and obviously uh, lower wages than what the government is paying right now. So I think their short-term concern is, am I going to continue competing against my government for workers? And uh, they've got to deal with that. So to help with, with the whatever probability you want to put on that continuing to be a problem, we're trying to help them with uh, making certain they're aware of all of our labor saver products. We, we created a, a new list of products where we called out everything that we, we offer that uh, results in lower labor being needed in the restaurant. So if it's cut fruit or, or uh, you know, the, the diced cabbage or, or carrots or, uh, you know, the processed items, we're making certain they're aware that, hey, we've got a whole host of things here that you can utilize that maybe you are cutting it yourself and in, inside your restaurants and and here's some options for you uh, so that's that's one uh, problem on, on the longer term side of it I think uh, there's a vaccine made I don't, I don't know if anybody can their in their restaurants can put real plans together on what capacity of their business is going to be open um, some say there's not much difference between being open 50% in phase two and being open to a greater extent, say 75% in phase three because of the layout of their restaurants. It just wouldn't allow that many more patrons in anyway. So you get unique concerns like that that exist. So um, I would say that's that's really the immediate concern is what they're trying to solve now is will they have access to labor? What's gonna happen on July 31st when this current round of unemployment benefits is set to expire? Well, that's a great point. Jeremy, you had mentioned uh, labor in one of your answers as well. I'm aware that if if you have a cutting uh, operation and practice, it, you you're required to have additional FDA inspections. And it's you know if you're doing it today, you can increase your volume. What would you tell other dis uh, other uh, folks in your industry who do not presently have those capabilities? Do you think that this is a must-have? going forward that you have the ability to prepackage um, smaller quantities of food and to, to do some more meal prep um, so that you can distribute those goods as well? Yeah, I think it, um, so there's a couple of different areas that we may define um, differently. So we do have a, a cut fresh facility in a few of our operations that does cut fruit, cut veggies and some custom mixes. But we also, in a few of our facilities, do prepackaged products, and we also do grab-and-go. So those are all very different, and I think all of them will continue to have an increase in demand. We're having some customers that, uh, you know, they're whether it's retail or a, a university or a hospital, they really want 
prepackaged products. It's it's a big trend, and I don't see that changing. Thanks for joining us. Come back tomorrow for the conclusion of this discussion, and be sure to subscribe to hear our roundtables on business resilience, risk management, and navigating business with limited resources, as well as our earlier series, Food Service in Crisis.